Hey yo, welcome to a very special edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. This is going to be our NHL Stanley Cup playoffs prediction and preview episode. We're going up a day early for it. My name is Dustin Perry. I am joined first and foremost by James Key. James, yo, it's the PP show and prediction and preview. The PP show. And also joining us on this journey on the PP show, it is Maddie Key as well. Maddie, hello. I don't know if I want to be on a PP show. That sounds kind of sus, but. Yeah, you'd rather be on the PP show than get one. So that's all I'm saying. PP stands for power play, right? (laughs) It does. Yeah. In the world, it does. In certain circles. Yeah, but before we get started, I have to say something, okay? And, I, like, the playoffs make me nervous. There's a lot of sleepless nights, and I know this is going to happen, but just nothing to do. Elevator etiquette when living in a communal space, a la a condo, an apartment, or something like that, okay? What's the rules if someone gets in and says hi and, like, kind of does the small talk thing? Like, do you have to engage in the small talk? Am I an asshole for just saying... Hey, and then just kind of going about my day and not engaging in this. Because let's be honest, at 6.30 in the morning, I don't want to say shit to nobody. And I, I, like the, I don't know, man. If you stand there silent, that's pretty fucking awkward. Um, yeah, which is why I think like, it's clutch. You should always yep. have headphones. Well, no. like That's the thing. Is like I'm just like, yeah, hey. And then I just kind of go about my shit. Yeah, but if they keep like, talking I to you. I, I go with the one word answers. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, you shouldn't like, be talking about elevator etiquette anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is the biggest issue that our society hasn't come up with or come up with a solution for is we are all super on board with getting those stupid in-ear earbuds that are wireless. I love them. And now no one can tell that you have headphones on. But so that was... I'll be outside <laughs> shoveling some snow and the neighbor comes by, hey, man, how's it going? And I'm just like kayfabing him because he... I literally can't hear him. <laughs> Big reference. But, but yo, it's, it, that's not just, dude, remember when people had just the Bluetooth and they were having full-on conversations and you couldn't just tell whether they were, like, had, like, like the voices and they were just talking to, like, nobody or they were having a full-on conversation or they were talking to you? Remember, like, I mean, people, when Bluetooth had... People still heads, do that with... Yeah. People still do that with the their Apple earbuds, whatever the hell they're called. The craziest thing is when I see them wearing earbuds in the car. And I have to assume that's because they don't have, like hands-free in the car so that they they take phone calls in their in their apple or whatever earbuds they're using but to me that always looks weird someone wearing headphones in a car these assholes are driving like 2022 bmws with the ear pods in their ears (laughs) and it's like they're trying to show off and be cool like i have ear pods it's like buddy they're on sale right now at sport check for 109.99 like they're not expensive no i I just think it's weird wearing headphones in a car period that's weird to me regardless of whether you have hands free or not I'm also pretty sure that's illegal, at least in the province of Ontario, to be wearing earbuds while driving. Well, I, like could be, 80, I could be wrong about that. But 80% of drivers on the 401 are breaking the law. <laughs> yeah, and um, when we're off air, remind <laughs> me to tell you a story about uh, earpods. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, then Matt's got, Maddie's got to tell you a story about elevator etiquette. Yeah, I'll tell, I'll tell you a story about <laughs> elevator etiquette after this. I can't. It, it's not good for live air. Or maybe maybe there needs maybe there needs to be another bonus episode to talk about all those story, stories stories <laughs> yeah. that we can't talk about after maybe. dark. But but this uh, 
is a bonus episode of sorts. We will be recording a regular weekly episode later this week. We're thinking Tuesday night so we can have game one of the Maple Leafs in the books and we'll talk about and that show will air Wednesday morning for your consumption as well as all the other sports stories that we're going to be missing since today is dedicated specifically to the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, James, also before we get started, I wanted to ask if you had anything fun that happened this past week, anything you want to share with the group? Dude, I have zero fucking fun these days. Although I did watch the Uncharted movie and I really liked it and now I want to go back and play the games again. Uh, I think that movie got unduly shit on and full disclosure, I was like, I didn't think those guys would be able to pull it off when they announced the casting, but it's because I didn't understand even through trailers and stuff because you saw so many things reflective of the video games. I didn't understand what they were trying to accomplish. But then when you watch the movie, you you totally get like it's a prequel. It's very young. They they cherry-picked elements of of the game to build this custom story and i love that actually so um yeah i just hope they make another one but i was reading like you know tom holland's getting burnt out from acting and mark Wahlberg's like i don't really do sequels so people have to say that they want it but hey i liked it it was fun yeah i watched it i I think i watched it the week it came out and i liked it like i I didn't go in expecting an oscar-winning movie i thought it would be a fun you know, Tomb Raider-y, Uncharted-y, uh, Indiana Jones-like. I hope so. Yeah, Like an Indiana Jones-type film, and that's what it was. It was just a fun, goofy movie, and you're right. There was a lot of stuff they pulled from different games, and the timeline's all over the place. Like, if you took this set piece that happened in yeah. Game 3... You just have to throw that out the window. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The, the The timeline doesn't really make sense if you're looking at it from a set piece perspective. But if you just follow the story they're telling, it's not going to be the same story that you played in the But the characters so, are the same characters. Like, they're 100% the exact same characters represented in the games. And that's the cool thing. Is like, what they did, like you said, is like, like Sam is there, Sully's there. Like, Wahlberg is, is legit. He's Sully. Like, he's he played Sully. Mm-hmm. I thought he was, I he thought he was I, awesome. I think he played Mark... I think he played Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> but Mark Wahlberg, I think, is, was kind of... I think. Well, I don't think they based Sully on what. But anyway, we're, we're going off the thing here. What about you? Uh, so I did attend a sporting event this week. I went to Ooh. the TFC game on Saturday afternoon. That was How fun. How was that? They lost. TFC is... They did, they did lose, but whatever. It's, it's the experience of going to BMO Field and going to Liberty Village and getting a burger at Burger Drops and sir i used to live next to liberty village and it's not that fun it's not i hate hate it hold on i i haven't finished the liberty village (laughs) experience (laughs) the best thing about liberty village is burger drops but like the second best thing is leaving the worst thing is leaving because it takes forever yeah it is impossible to leave that godforsaken square of a a neighborhood yeah a nook of a neighborhood toronto and there's so if you're not from Toronto, you don't know what we're talking about. But Liberty Village is this weird little old industrial area on the southwest side of Toronto, and a lot of younger people have gravitated towards there. So it's a destination for younger people to go live. Hipsters. The, I mean, you could call them hipsters. Expensive yes. condos owned by drug designer drug dealers. It's. It's an interesting neighborhood. It's, it's, it's like cool. it's 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 like when remember when um, South Park did Soto Sopa and created like that neighborhood where it was yes. supposed to be like upscales. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. That's a great comparison. I I haven't thought of that episode in forever, but yes, that is exactly what it is. Yeah. 
And there's like one road to get in and out of it, and it's connected to another road that is like significantly under construction. So it, it took me like two hours to and get the home. And the one grocery store that everyone has to go to that's exorbitantly Dude, priced, the fucking metro? I've been in that metro. Yeah. Like I said, I used to go next to it. I used to shop at that metro. I used to go to... They charge an extra 25% compared to every other metro. Yeah. It's, it's fucking... It's garbage, man. It's garbage humanity. It's, it's like the worst possible qualities you can think of like <clears throat> arrogant and trite. That, that is it. And I... I, I will mean, say... The best move of my life was moving I will say this, <laughs> out of there. I like the idea of Liberty Village. I like the idea. No, no, no. I like the idea of like small little neighborhoods that are like sectioned off. It's just so inconvenient to get to. I don't know. And get in and out of. I'm not. I just maybe I'm old as fuck, and it's just that I don't vibe with it anymore. Like it's just not. Like I don't want to go to Balzac's Coffee. I don't want to go to the the stupid pub. That's the only place I do enjoy. Actually, what local? Yeah, local. Fuck local. Bra- I do enjoy Brazenhead. I like Brazenhead. Brazenhead. Well, I like the shuffleboard of Brazenhead. <laughs> but I do like Brazenhead, and I'll give you that. Yeah. But yeah, the fuck that Metro. Fuck local, bar local. Shut up. Of course it's local because you're standing there. Like, fuck that place. Fuck the Tim Hortons next to local. <laughs> fuck all of it. <laughs> um, Burger Drops is awesome, though. If you haven't had a chance to get Burger Drops, you should. No, I yeah, haven't. Not, the- not sponsored, but very good burger. What's what's the end? Is that your Liberty story? Because you said you had an end to it. Oh, that was it. The end was just me not being able to get out of Liberty Village. It took two hours to get home. Yeah, it's really frustrating. After after a sporting event, like at Rico or whatever, or like TFC or during the the C&E. Yeah, I was going to say. Trying to get out of there during the C&E, man. Because there's the one good parking spot that you go there. It's $3 for like 12 hours. And it's just like getting out of there. Like you're getting scraps. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like, I really don't feel like punching, uh, you know, a horned rim glasses, wearing flannel, wearing with an undercut and overpriced gel in his hair and his face. You know what I mean? Like, well, that and the cops are know. crawling all over the place. So you're, you're yeah. booked immediately. So, um, oh, yeah. And now yeah. from one side of the city to the other on Wednesday night, I saw Lexus on fire, which was, yeah, I saw your stories, man. How was that? Okay. So here's, here's what happened. So. Uh, if you're unaware, Alexa on Fire, my, my favorite band. And like a week ago, they had posted online, hey, we're playing at this new venue in Toronto history, which is my, now my favorite venue in the city. And to combat scalpers, tickets are free. You can only get two tickets and they go on sale on sale at this particular time. Go get them. And of course, I did not get them. And none of my friends got them. I know one person who got them and I... I, she has a boyfriend, so that was not going to be the plus one in that scenario. So I jokingly said to a coworker of mine the day of the concert, yo, should we just like, and okay, full disclosure, we would not have done this. Okay. We would not, we would not have done this, but I jokingly suggested to her, we should just take our uh, MLSC staff badges and just walk in the back and see what happens. We did not do that. <laughs> we did not do that. Um, but then she said that she's on like some Facebook trading group where people trade concert tickets to shows they can't go to anymore. Mm-hmm. And some guy posted that like he can't go anymore. Who wants them? So she traded him some other tickets to a concert that she couldn't go to. And lo and behold, we were on our way to history to see Lex on fire. Good show though. Like, can they still can they still bang? They're fantastic. 
it, it's still great. It, it was inter- it was an interesting crowd, right? Because it's not like it's a free show, and it's only to the people who are able to get tickets. So there's a lot of people who I don't think were super hardcore fans. They yeah. just happened to be lucky enough to get tickets, or their friend was lucky enough to get tickets and they needed someone to go with them. Because you can't even transfer the ticket either. Like, you couldn't say, oh, I got them, I'll give them to James because James is a big fan. You literally could not transfer the ticket. So the way that we got in, Buddy gave my friend their Ticketmaster login information. It's like, here's my email, here's my password, log into my Ticketmaster <laughs> account so you can get into the concert. And then immediately wow. log into his bank with that password yeah. and take him for every, all he's worth. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's a pretty cool idea, though, for a band to do that. I will say, though, I think it was Edgefest when I was, like, 16, 17, and Jimmy got me tickets for that, where Alexa on Fire was playing, and then Yellow Card was playing, and then... I forget. AFI. What? AFI. And AFI was playing, and it was honestly one of my favorite shows. But, like, the lead singer of Alexa on Fire, I always forget his name. George. uh, Came out... George. George. Came out and sang with Yellow Card for a couple songs it was actually just really cool before we yeah, get into the fun. before we get into the nhl stuff though like another lex on fire tidbit they used to say if you got their heart logo tattoo back in the day you had free entry free into all their shows for life and i think yes. they cut that off because i would hope so because there's yeah. a lot of i've seen a lot of cool lex on fire tattoos uh and not just like the heart skull logo i've seen a lot of people do some cool things like a a massive boiling pot and you see this frog like jumping out of it for boiled frogs yeah so there's a lot of really cool ideas for tattoos because their song titles are very unique at least the first couple albums were well yeah counterparts and numbers but like uh like um <clears throat> sorry i'm coughing here i still think accents is their best song it's very well crafted oh that's this is that's a big topic of conversation yeah but, uh, maybe we should start another special podcast episode or yeah ep- no another podcast show that's just music yeah <laughs> yeah we can go a long time talking about this band and i highly recommend it if you're not familiar with lex on fire go check them out it's not for everyone obviously but it's worth a shot if you want to uh dabble into that now we're gonna have to dabble into some hockey talk because we didn't talk any hockey at all last week and we have a big week ahead of us because the Stanley Cup playoffs are finally among us. It is May, and it is finally time to talk about Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I jokingly said to a friend today, like, at the very least, the Maple Leafs are playing hockey in May. At the, now, at the very least... Watch, choose your next words very carefully, Dustin. <laughs> at the very least, we, we've been saying this entire season that none of it's mattered <laughs> and it's now we're here right so yeah. that's i think that's for me that's the most exciting part about it i know maddie you were saying last time like it's your favorite time of the year it, it's it's my favorite time this year because we've been saying so long that <clears throat> from a leafs fan perspective none of it fucking matters until monday so uh but i'm also stoked for the rest of the, the series because i think we have some killer matchups in the first round we got yeah. robbed of one really good one but we yeah, want to go over. We want to go over every matchup and give you our predictions and some insight into every matchup. But before we get there, here's the thing, NHL: your playoff <laughs> structure sucks. Oh, 100 percent. Figure it out. They did figure it out, and then they no, changed they it. Okay, yeah, okay. I thought you meant like this new system. <laughs> they had it. In what world? 
are we taking like why is there like four divisions and okay i don't even care about divisions divisions don't matter i get that and especially in a situation with the nhl where every team plays every team so who gives it matters for scheduling only fine totally fine but the winner of the division shouldn't automatically get higher seating or it shouldn't if you win the division all you should get is home ice and then from there we take the top eight teams from each conference. To be honest, Why do we have to overcomplicate this thing? To be honest, the NBA, I think, has the best model right now. I, f- I fucking love the play-in. It's so exciting, and it gives it gives those bottom four teams the opportunity no, to we, prove themselves. This year is a prime example why it wouldn't work in the NHL. Because this is the first year where true parity was way out the window when it came with teams. Because you would have a team like Columbus, who finished out true. 16 points out of the playoffs... And yeah, if they okay. do like a one game playoff to get in versus mm-hmm. a team that actually made it, you just shit all over it and you have people yeah. climb pretty murder. I think the West well, was think- a little a little closer on the bottom end, but you're yeah. right. I mean, if, if Columbus had got in, there would have been public outcry from Washington or or whatever yeah. about. No, I, I 100% agree with that. And that's exactly my point. Just take the top eight teams. No, 100%. And if you took the top eight teams, the playoffs, the teams that made the playoffs wouldn't change at all. It's just the seeding would be more accurate. To I, My point is, and what I'm trying to get to here, is our first matchup that I want to talk about. We have the number four seed, St. Louis Blues, taking on the number two seed, Minnesota Wild. How on earth is that fair? This should be the <laughs> conference final. But... It's our first matchup that we're going to talk about is the Minnesota Wild taking on the St. Louis Blues. Now, that is going to be, I think that's a Sportsnet 360 game for all of us up in Canada or ESPN for you folks down in the U.S., although they also switched to TNT at some point. But for all of us here in civilization, it will be on Sportsnet 360. We are not paid by Sportsnet or Bell Media, uh, TSN, but I just think it would be helpful to know Mm -hmm. that Professional wrestling will not be on for the next few weeks because Sportsnet <laughs> 360 showing the Minnesota Wild versus the St. Louis Blues. Their first game kick or first game is going to be tonight because this show is going to post in Monday morning. So yeah. tonight, 9.30 Eastern on Sportsnet 360. Uh, where do you guys want to start with St. Louis and Minnesota? So counterpoint oh. to what you said real quick. I under, it could have been a conference final matchup. Absolutely could have been, right? Like the, the two teams and, and – but – I almost feel like we're a little bit blessed getting it in the first round with yeah. the freshest possible version of these two teams because, and I'm going to let Maddie take over right after this because these two teams are fucking warrior teams. Okay. But be aware that you said that because when we get to the end of the show, when we talk about the Maple Leafs and the <laughs> lightning, yeah. I don't know if your tone's going to be exactly the same when we no, have a similar situation. We'll get there. So... I'm I'm very much of like agreement that like getting robbed of this as like your conference final for the West or even like a conference semifinal like later on. But the NHL playoffs, the first round, and I will go to my grave and I will stake everything I have on this. The first round of the NHL playoffs is the most exciting thing in sports. In all of the four major sports playoffs, first round NHL playoffs is the most exciting. It's way more exciting than first round of NBA. It's way more exciting than, you know, baseball's first round of, like, ALDS or wild card. the AL wildcard whatever. It's way more exciting than that. NFL is just like, okay, it's the first game, you play, it's done, whatever. But, like, so much happens 
in this first round and in these game ones of these first nights, guys are amped up that it sets the tone for these years. I remember like years ago, that Pittsburgh Philly series first round, Claude Giroux, Sidney Crosby scrapping in the playoffs. Fights don't happen in the playoffs. And they were Unless you're Le Cavalier and Aginla. Yeah, but that okay, that is like an all time great moment because those are two of my favorite t- players all time. Right? But like the first round of the NHL playoffs is an absolute war. And the fact that, as Jim said, we're getting St. Louis and Minnesota, who just played a ruthless game like a week and a half ago against each other, we're getting them in the first round, is just, oh, chills. Anybody got chills? I got chills. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, think... look at. <laughs> yeah. I think the way Minnesota's constructed, like, they, I mean, and they got, they have to. <laughs> They almost have to do it this year because yeah. next year their cap situation is, you know, people used to make fun of the Leafs cap situation. The next year is really unfortunate. It's carrying, hilariously bad. Yeah. Carrying the cap penalty for like it's 14 it's million ve- dead cap. It's, it's Vegas levels of bad. Um, no, it's but, not. No, like it's, it's the worse. Worst cap situation <laughs> it's worse. Cause but, like uh, you're, you're, you're 14 million that you, it's guys you can't even ice. Vegas yeah. can ice their guys. They just have to manipulate it. Yeah, like, it's they dead can't cap. even. Yeah. So I think, but Minnesota's really constructed, and even the moves they made at the deadline. I mean, going out there and acquiring acquiring Mark Andre Fleury is 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 huge. I mean, he's a, a proven playoff performer, um, and even recently made it deep in the playoffs with uh, Vegas team. But even with Minnesota, like they're just constructed to demolish, like whatever stands in their way. You got guys like Matt Dumba, uh, Jordan Greenway, Marcus Foligno, Marcus Foligno uh, and then high-end skill like Kirill Kaprizov. It's it's incredible how they've been able to to do this, and and you know they cut loose Parise and Suter to do this, and now they've done it, and here they are. But then they run up against you know St. Louis, who in their own right is is full of of beastly players. Uh, I think you know it's it's going to be a war of attrition. And I, I wouldn't be surprised this goes seven games at all. I, The funny thing is, is, I actually have the exact opposite point of view. I'm already predicting St. Louis in five. Because, Whoa! No, the takes I, are hot. I, I, Out the oven. <laughs> I just see the center depth of St. Louis, as well as their, their scoring depth on the wings. Tarasenko looks like, you know... He's going to play well in the playoffs. Um, he's always been kind of a pretty good performer in the playoffs. You have Jordan Cairo coming on the wings as well. Like, they have a lot. Colton Pareko on the back end. I just think the issue with Minnesota is up front, it's all on Kaprizov. If he doesn't show up, they don't win. If he doesn't play and is the driver offensively for that team, they don't win. But and playoffs do you have come down to goaltending. Team. Yeah, but you are you have arguably the best one of the best defensive all around centers in Ryan O'Reilly. And he'll just feed Kaprizov in the face the whole game. Because as we all know how the playoff works, whistles go away. Right? So a team like St. Louis, as well as yeah, like Minnesota, they're big and they're tough. But St. Louis's tough guys can also play in a different like a more complete style of game. Um, and like as you said about goaltending, yeah, it's like Huesso or Bennington, and yeah, like Minnesota's Mark Andre Fleury. But I don't know, man. 
I, I put see. Some respect, you need to put some respect on Cam Talbot's name right now. I was gonna, well, oh, I yeah. was going to bring that up too. I was going to say, you know, I was, I was, I was predicting you were going to bring up Cam Talbot being, you know, middle of the pack, but um, he had a good year before uh, the arrival Talbot of Mark Andre Fleury. Hell, the I think Talbot a fantastic year this year, but. I'm also going to say I think that's part and parcel to Minnesota's commitment to playing a very strong defensive game. And that's why I, you know, we can sit here and, and bicker and banter back and forth about Minnesota in seven, St. Louis in five. I, I honestly think either one could be true. I think they're they're so well matched up that, you know, this might be the series that I keep a clo- the closest eye on because it's probably going to be top three most entertaining uh, out of the first round. And it's... You know, I would love to see Minnesota succeed because I feel like, you know, the fans deserve it. They're such a great hockey city, and that franchise do is Bombay. <laughs> do it for Bombay. Uh, but you know, oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I feel like copying it. Like I feel like I'm copying out already in the first discussion. It's just such a good matchup. I'm I'm very excited for the matchup for sure. I just I think also St. Louis's experience. Like if we have to lean on Tampa being the back-to-back Cup winners as their experience, they know how to win. St. Louis won a cup not long ago with a lot of the same guys. They know how to win. All right, so I'm just going to take an actual score here. So, Maddie, you said Blues in five. Yes. James, what were you? You said seven. I don't remember who you said you were going to win. Mini in seven. Uh, Wild in seven. And I actually, in my notes, I have Wild in seven as well. I hate uh, you guys. <laughs> just be, obviously, as all you guys talked about, I think it's going to be a very tight series and obviously because it's the two versus four seed which shouldn't happen in the first round but i digress on that i think for me i like the blues offense better but i like the wilds goaltending and defense better and in this situation in what i think will be a seven game series that's why i'm going with wild and seven that's that's where my head is right now for that series moving along to our next matchup and this is an interesting one with one as well. The Nashville Predators and the Colorado Avalanche. That one's going to kick off on Tuesday at 9.30 Eastern. It'll be on ESPN in the U.S. And for all of us normal people in Canada, that will be on Sportsnet 360. Although it also says Sportsnet East, so who the hell knows. Colorado Avalanche were obviously the number one seed. So they are going to probably be the favor going into this one. I think is a fair point and anytime that Nazem Kadri is in the conversation for a Stanley Cup I am all in favor for that because he is brown gentlemen what do you think um honestly this is where I feel kind of robbed because mostly just from the Nashville point of view because if it was Nashville Calgary in the first round I that would be eyes glued like full clockwork orange pride open eyes watching that series because that would have been probably the most exciting series of the first round but I digress I mentioned this to Jim and my dad, also named Jim, but I mentioned it to him the other day. We were sitting there talking, and Nashville was up 4-1 to one against Arizona in their last game. If they win, they play Calgary. If they lose, they play Colorado. Arizona came back in 1-5-4. I had a feeling maybe Nashville didn't care to win that game too much. <laughs> maybe they just said, you know what, if we play Colorado, we're good. And I think this, because I think out of any team in the West, maybe in the entire playoffs that could beat Colorado, it's Nashville. I think that 
Nashville has the potential to be the kryptonite to Colorado, both with their ability to score and their offense, their defense, arguably the Norris front runner in Roman Yossi, just the physical nature of what Nashville can pro- produce against a team like Colorado, I think is exactly what Colorado did not want to see. And I think they match up better against Colorado than they do against Calgary. Um, and so I think, I think, you know, if Colorado looks and you have to say who's the one team you don't want to play, I think to them it's it's Nashville. I mean, you have Forsberg and Duchesne who are putting up crazy numbers, setting, you know, franchise records for goals in a season. Um, the only thing with Nashville that frightens me is their goaltending because we don't know what Saros's injury looks like. We don't know how like how close to 100% he'll be if he does play. Um, so I think, I think that's going to be tough. The other thing too is, is Nathan McKinnon has been playing playoff hockey in his head for pretty much the whole season. And that takes a toll on you. And, you know, he's gone, had a few injuries this year. He was off for a month for an injury and then comes back after, what was it like a broken orbital bone or something or concussion and gets in a fight his first game. (laughs) Like, I mean, the dude is clearly driven and motivated this year. I just don't know if running into the wall that is Nashville right now is really what they wanted. I think there's two X factors, like when it comes to Colorado. I think the first one is Nazem Kadri. You know, if, if this dude yeah, will he play? <laughs> yeah, if this dude gets kicked out again uh, of another playoff series, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else. Like at that point, it's not circumstance; it's clearly the player. So we'll see what happens from that standpoint. I think. I think you're right. I think Nathan McKinnon's played playoff hockey since the first game of this season. I think last year's failure to get past the second round for the Avalanche stung quite a bit. Um, you know, the addition you talk, you we were talking about muscle. I think they tried to address that. I'm, I agree with you. I don't think they muscle up against Nashville. And we all know that the playoffs are called differently than the regular season. Agree or disagree, whether you do or don't. But it that's that's the fact of the matter is a lot more gets let go. And and usually the teams that are are down, uh, you know, to muck it up a little more than usual are the ones that come ahead. The Colorado added Josh Manson for that reason. Everyone plays bigger in front of a guy like that. You said, like you said, Nathan McKinnon's not afraid uh, of the rough stuff. You know, I you look at teams that have succeeded in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the past. Like there are teams that sometimes have gone through some shit. The Washington Capitals went through some shit. Tampa Bay, they got cleaned out by Columbus. You know, they went through some shit. So I feel like Colorado's gone through some shit. And I don't know, this they're 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 a tough they're a tough out. So I just don't think their offense can carry them through against a team like Nashville. They are they're a little I feel I agree. I think they're a little lighter on the back end. I feel like from a defensive forward standpoint and guys who can kind of play both sides of the puck. I think you have, you know, uh, it's it's a Kadri and a McKinnon and a Landis Cog, and then maybe there's a little bit left to be desired there. You know, Nashville does play a more well-rounded type of game, but like you said, the uh, UC Saros, the injury there, big question mark. Darcy Kemper turned it on towards the end of the year for Colorado. Uh, I don't know. If, you know, I, I'm going to go out and say Colorado in six. Each. I so, I was gonna say 
the one aspect of this series that I'm actually really excited for beyond just like you know the grind that it's going to be is seeing the two Norris favorites go head to head in Makar and Yossi. Um, I think, like you said with Manson, I think that makes Makar play a little bit more confident. And I think with guys like Bowen Byram, uh, Eric Johnson, uh, Sam Girard on the back end, like Colorado on the back end can move that puck. Or, yeah, can move that puck very, very well. But it's once they get past center and they get through, you know, the rough and tumble guys that are Nashville, I especially in the playoffs, like, are they kind of ready for it? I actually have Nashville in seven. I I think this is like one of those series that you look at where it's like Colorado is so heavily favored. Nashville literally has no pressure and can just go and play their game. And Colorado has all the pressure being the favorite, having the past couple years of disappointment as we'll get to with teams like the Leafs. But like, I just think there's so much pressure heaped on Colorado to almost be perfect in this series that... I just think Nashville goes in there, plays free. Well, I, I'm sensing a theme here so far. Maddie has <laughs> picked the We're <laughs> adversaries. <laughs> and now Predators James and seven. Um, I'm, also, I'm also taking the Avalanche, and I am being more bullish than you guys are. I'm saying Avalanche in five. Uh, I, I, I see your point, and I, I take your point that Nashville, I think Nashville is a good matchup for Colorado, but I think Colorado is just too good. At this point in the game, I think they are poised to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. So we'll see. If we're breaking out a whole bracket, I probably have Colorado going to the conference final. And you'll have to wait and find out who I think they're going to end up playing in the conference final. Man's going to say Florida. He said conference <laughs> final. They're not in the same conference. Oh, I, may, I thought you said cup final. Sorry. Oh, yeah. If we're talking cup final, I definitely don't see the avalanche there and i don't necessarily see florida there either but But we will we will get there but i I do want to shift over to the eastern conference i do want to split it up there's there's a method to my madness and there's a reason (laughs) i'm doing the way i'm doing it Uh, he's much smarter than us so just let him do what he wants to do (laughs) the next matchup is another one of those weird uh matchups where it's two teams that are relatively close to each other in the standings and i wonder if they even should be playing each other but it's the it's the four seed versus the seven seed which again just doesn't make any goddamn sense and she'll figure it out <laughs> it is the <laughs> pittsburgh penguins taking on the new york rangers that one's going to start on tuesday at seven o'clock espn in the states sportsnet and it's getting the cbc treatment up here in canada so that means obviously because of Sidney crosby and CBC has been in love with Sidney Crosby from the moment he stepped into the NHL. And Not because of Ricard Raquel? No, I don't think it has anything to do with him or anything to do with, uh, I don't know, pick any other random Pittsburgh Penguin player like Drew O'Connor. Like I don't think those are the guys that are drawing the CBC eyes. It's definitely our boy Sidney Crosby, who was born the same year I was, so that's that's fun. Um I don't, I don't want to go too off on a tangent on this, but I feel like Crosby hasn't exactly been given the same uh, credit that he's been given over the past se- few seasons. Like, he's still one of the greatest players in the world. Like, he scored, 84, he scored 84 points this year in 69 games. He scored over 30 goals. And the conversation about the best player in the NHL isn't Sidney Crosby right now. And I think that is 
I think a testament to how consistent he has been his entire career that people just expect that he's going to be over a point a game. He's going to be a point and a half a game just throughout his entire career, even though the guy's 35 years old now. He is 35 years old, Sidney Crosby. like it, Sid the kid is old enough to have children. And I, I mean, I, I guess he always could have been having children even though he was 18, but I would advise against that for everyone listening. If you're 18 years old, please do not do that to yourself. But... <laughs> At least not at that age, which is all I'm saying. So this one is another one of those matchups where it's, it's the two teams sandwiched in the middle of that division. They see a lot of each other all year. I think even though that Pittsburgh is the seventh seed, I think Pittsburgh is winning this series, but I want to hear what you think, James. The Pittsburgh Penguins are kind of an anomaly to me. I think... You know, a lot of last year people were questioning whether Tristan Jari could get the job done. And even at the beginning of the season, when looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins, I questioned whether Tristan Jari was the the right choice. Uh, you know, when they had opportunities to go out there and acquire other goaltenders, I know they were in on Frederick Anderson. I thought maybe that might have been a fit for them. But he has definitely proven me wrong this year. Uh, the other odd thing about Pittsburgh Penguins, and I was watching the TSN fantasy drafts just before uh, we hopped on here to to do this chat. Um, they have a lot of unrestricted free agents at the end of the year, and this feels really like a kick, last kick at the can for that that core group of Latang, Crosby, and Malkin. So I wonder if they're going to have a little bit of a a now or never attitude to this playoff series. Um, you know, Jake Gensel's had a career year. Uh, I just, I, but then you look at the New York Rangers, and just I think to quickly jump. Just quickly jump in there, James. Um, Malkin is UFA next year, as you're mentioning, and Malkin and Latang are both UFA next yeah. year. Yeah, so that and that's what I mean. Like, if if they're both here, like, what what is the game plan in Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, are they 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 gonna let both guys walk? What's the, what's the loyalty of those two guys to the organization? I mean, you'd think it. You know, is is there loyalty in pro sports anymore? I don't know. Um, and then you look at a team like the Rangers, a world beater goalie for three quarters of the season, you know, in heart conversations for most of the season, Igor Shesterkin, again, you know, the high end talent, like Artemi Panarin, uh, with, with firepower up front and then heavy hitting on the back end with guys like Jacob Truba went out and got proven winners, uh, with Barkley Goudreau to, to play in New York, to help take them to that next step, you know, with, with his experience in, in Calgary, or sorry, Tampa Bay. I was thinking about Blake Coleman going to Calgary. Um, former uh, former Brampton Battalion, Bart. <laughs> Brampton Battalion, big. Remember the Brampton Beast? Uh, <laughs> no, no one does. No, no one does. Um, I I I don't I don't think the, the Rangers went out and and basically it's funny the Rangers went out and constructed themselves to basically beat up Tom Wilson. Like that's what they did in the off season. They went out and got Ryan Reeves. They went out and got Goudreau. They went out and got guys to to beef them up so that they wouldn't be pushed around like they were by the capitals at the end of last year the funny thing is i don't know that they entirely went about it the right way i don't know that it entirely works for them they could be the cinderella team that it kind of sneaks and, and weaves their way through uh, but i think that desperation of the pittsburgh penguins gets them at least by this round i really do yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think the Rangers have been 
very good this year, and having the Vezina favorite as your Tendi, although unproven in the playoffs, I think that does go a fair bit of distance and buys you enough credit. I also think this Rangers team as well is kind of semi-built for the playoffs. You know, you have guys like Chris Kreider, who is putting up a monster year, and he's a physical presence. He's a big body. The dude knows how to crash and bang in the playoffs. We saw it against, you know, the Montreal Canadiens when they played, arguably, maybe intentionally, unintentionally, took Perry Price out a few years ago of the playoffs. But I think he's a guy that steps up. I think Zabinijad is primed to have, you know, really good playoffs as well. They have the reigning Norris winner and Adam Fox on the back end. I think with all of the focus that a lot of teams and coaches put on certain players, certain lines, I think that opens up for the depth of the Rangers with a guy like Lafreniere, you know, Jacob Truba also from the back end. You probably won't see as much attention as some of the other top guys or we'll see like lower pairings and stuff like that or forward lines. I just think the Rangers are way ahead of schedule where they're supposed to be in their quote-unquote rebuild that that letter went out to all the MSG season ticket holders the other year. So as much as I have undying respect for Sidney Crosby and what he's done, I just think that these guys are at that point where they're good enough to make it and maybe make a little bit of noise, but not to carry through a whole series. I just think the Rangers are... I think the Rangers are too good against Pittsburgh or for a team like Pittsburgh. So personally, I have Rangers in seven. Rangers in seven for Maddie James. Uh... Also, the Rangers are my like my second favorite team in the league. So like that might be some bias. Um, after the Leafs, the Rangers are my second favorite team. I have been lucky enough to see them twice at MSG, which is one of the coolest experiences ever. Uh, so that may have led into my prediction a bit, but I'm trying to be objective. Pitt in seven. James going to say Pittsburgh in seven, and we are continuing the trend of Maddie being against me and James, because I also have <laughs> Pittsburgh, but I have Pittsburgh in six. When I'm so, right and you guys are wrong, this is if be Maddie hilarious. cleans the table on us, we're gonna look so bad. Well, that's why I'm keeping track of this because I want to revisit this list at the end of the first round and see how well we have done, and maybe we'll assign some points to everything that you get right. Hold my pocket, and yeah, we'll go from there and see <laughs> who the ultimate winner is. At some point, James and I are gonna have to come up with like different answers. <laughs> winners of this little contest and we didn't discuss this before like this is all raw right like so we were just all ha- like you and i are just hap- happen to align on these right now but i'm sure we'll differ when we in a couple series yeah so we were aligned on the first three series the next series i want to talk about is the florida panthers and the washington capitals now of course florida number one seed in the east and they're taking on the Washington Capitals, who aren't a bad team, but like they're the eight seed. So theoretically, on paper, you're looking at this and saying Florida's going to run them over. That series is going to start on Tuesday, 7.30 Eastern, on ESPN2, or Sportsnet 360. 
the interesting thing there, when I say ESPN2 like that, because the Florida Panthers are the first seed in the Eastern <laughs> Conference, and they're on not even the main network with their 120. They're the first, like, they're, they won the, the President's Trophy, and they are on ESPN2. <laughs> yeah, but That's they're playing how Florida. They're, they're playing Washington, you mean? No, they play in Florida. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. They, I mean, it could be worse. They could be playing in Arizona in front of 350 people like it's an Ontario independent wrestling event. <laughs> but I digress. Now, for me, I, I, I'm i not going to spend too much time thinking about this one. I think Florida Panthers win in five. Uh, I know Washington has Ovechkin, and you can't ever count out Alex Ovechkin. Flor- uh, Washington it wasn't that long ago when they won the Stanley Cup. That was like three seasons ago or four seasons ago or whatever that – I have COVID brain fog of exactly when that happened, but it wasn't that long ago when Ovechkin was holding up the Stanley Cup, and I think people forget that sometimes. And similar to Sidney Crosby, the conversation we just had, where he has been consistently so good his entire career that people forget how good Alexander Ovechkin is, and he might go down as the best player that we will ever see in our lifetime. Obviously a different conversation for another day. But if you think about his longevity and how many goals he scored in his career and the sheer size of the guy and how he'll just run you over like a freight train, I think he's everything. If Alexander Ovechkin was Canadian, we would have statues. The the Order of Canada handed out to this man already. They rename rename every building Ovechkin Tower. So I don't want to count out Washington for that reason specifically, but I still think Florida is a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. So I'm taking Florida in five. James, how about you? The the Florida Panthers are so well constructed and it's they're so deep and they only got deeper at the trade deadline. I mean, when they had when they got Reinhardt and Bennett and Barkov and Huberto and now Giroux and it's just like holy shit, man. Like it's just one after another in terms of that and these are all like Sam Bennett is a guy I wanted on the Maple Leafs because I thought he's the type of player they need in that playoff grind. You know, a guy with a, you know, with a, I was going to say a little, like a lot of sandpaper to his game. Uh, and, you know, Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. Like, if Bobrovsky plays at his best, he's he's a world beater, you know, top five goaltender in the league. Problem is, he's sometimes 50 50 at best as to which, which Bob shows up. But on the other hand, behind him, you have Spencer Knight, who was the, I believe, his final rookie of the month for the NHL uh, with, the, uh, I think it was a 6-1 and an 0 record or something like that, uh, and, a, and a pretty sparkling goals against average. I don't have it in front of me, but I saw it today. I saw the graphic on the old, the old Twitter machine, the old Elon Musk feed. So, you know, and then there's, there's <laughs> everyone screaming cap circumvention because there's rumors. The word on the street is that Aaron Ekblad will be ready to go for game one. So coming back from injury. So, you know, the Florida Panthers are just a deep fucking team. And like you said, it's hard to count out the Washington Capitals. However, I just don't believe they're as deep as they were in previous seasons. The goaltending isn't there for them. I think Vanacek is great. I don't think he's there yet. I I, Panthers in five. You know, but Ovechkin can take it over. Like, Tom Wilson has basically, I mean, when Washington won the, won the cup, a lot of people say it was on the back of Tom Wilson in, the, in that final series. 
I mean, it's. I think Washington goes as far as as Tom Wilson and Alexander Ovechkin will take him. So here's my thing: Ovi's health in question. Older body's not going to heal the right way. He's going to be held together with needles and band-aids and rubber bands and all that fun stuff probably you know didn't play the last few games of the year i think his health questionable in terms of what he can produce at a high enough level to win a playoff round which means then it's kuznetsov who's gonna have to carry the load and i don't know if he's the type of guy to be a front runner or a driver of a whole team's offense in the same way of an ovi is um, as much as Ovi is great, it's like I don't think he can will a team across the same way Sidney Crosby can. Sidney Crosby can just will a team to win. You know, we've seen it through international, junior, NHL. We've seen it at every level. I don't think Ovi is as much of that guy. Uh, I don't think he has a great supporting cast around him. The goaltending is a little suspect. The D, a little suspect. Florida and four. I think Sam Bennett is exactly what you need in this playoffs. I think top to bottom, Florida is an absolutely ruthless team that just comes at you in waves. You have Mason Marchment, you have Sam Bennett, you have Radko Gudis who yeah. can get suspended all year, but when playoffs come, that's none exactly of those the are yeah, none of those are suspensions, need. none of those are penalties. Yeah, no, Radko Gudis like, is MVP like, of every play. <laughs> no, like like a lot of the time in the playoffs, they'll be like, you know, I just Gudis go go sit for couple minutes on your own team's bench have a breather take a kit kat you're not you when you're angry have a snickers you know like i think florida just top to bottom is too good and then when you're led by two guys like huberto and barkov where huberto is a heart candidate there's i don't know i i, I honestly don't see a way that washington can even handle florida huberto was a heart candidate that. barkov led the team in goals like yeah like that's how good of a dynamic they have in Florida. That's how deep of a team they have in Florida. And like you said, we're not even talking about Ryan, Sam Reinhardt or yeah. or or Sam Bennett. Claude Giroux. Yeah, like it's incredible. Claude Giroux is a playoff performer. He's he's the type of guy too that can, you know, when the chips are down, he ups his games in the playoffs. And you know, he went to Florida because that's he said I'm only going to Florida because that's where he saw his best opportunity. And I think he rewards that team with giving them his best performance of the past couple of years. And like, think again, think about the people we haven't even talked about: Patrick Hornquist, Anton yep. Lundell. They went out and got Ben Sherratt. Now I'm not a Ben Sherratt fan. His analytics say that guy, that guy's fucking garbage. Uh, but he, I mean, again, come the playoffs, he's a guy that throws his weight around. Robert Hag, Mackenzie Weger had kind of a couple shit games against the Leafs, noticeably uh-huh. at fault for almost every goal the Leafs scored against the Panthers. But still, and Brandon Montour. No, Weger, Weger's a good player. Yeah, and Brandon. Like, I just think top to bottom, like I said, it's it's relentless. It's wave after wave after wave. And why? Like as much as you can have Tom Wilson. Carter Verhage. He's one man. Tom Wilson is one man. Yo, form relief. But he's one, <laughs> uh, he's one man against an absolute juggernaut in the Panthers. And it's weird to say the Panthers are a juggernaut, but I say Panthers in four. I think these dudes are primed. So that is the first time we are all in unison deciding on one team. We've all picked the Panthers. And James, I believe you said in five. Yep. I also said in five. Maddie, you are in four. So finally we agree on something, and we all <laughs> think it's going to be a short series. Quick little tidbit on Patrick Hornquist. You brought him up and just clued into my brain. 
quick aside, uh, many years ago, I had a horrible fantasy hockey team, so I just bottomed out and traded all my good keepers and collected a bunch of draft picks. So I ended up with the first overall draft pick in the following year's draft, and I was going to take Sidney Crosby, and this was back when you know Crosby was the bona fide number one pick. And for whatever reason, I ended up clicking on my like player watch list rather than like the actual player I wanted to draft, and I drafted Patrick Hornquist first overall. <laughs> So uh, I have a history with Patrick Hornfist. Uh, <laughs> so he's not nearly as good as a first, a first overall pick, but yeah, I'm always, I'm always happy to see him successful. So it makes me look like less of an idiot. <laughs> now, someone who's been uh, made to look like a bit of an idiot. Hang on, can I? You, I, I just want to say that I don't know if you should be hedging your bets on Patrick Hornfist to be the guy to make you look like less of an idiot. I think you need to raise the bars a little bit higher. Well, Maybe I pick think a stronger horse. I, well, this is the horse I have picked, and this is the one I have to stick with at this point. <laughs> now, the next matchup is interesting because I have a different angle I want to ask you about before we get into the actual predictions. The next matchup I want to talk about is the Bruins and the Hurricanes. That one starts on Monday, so that starts tonight. The Bruins and the Hurricanes is going to be on ESPN in the States and Sportsnet 360 up in Canada. That means no Monday Night Raw, adjust your DVRs. Although, if you're still watching Monday Night Raw, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> uh, so here, here's the question I want to pose to you guys. Should the Hurricanes be weary of Frederick Anderson's history with the Boston Bruins? 100% because we don't even know if he's healthy either. <laughs> yeah. And their backup goalie's not even healthy either. And this was literally my crutch of the series was that they are on their third string goalie potentially. Yeah, where's David Ayers at? They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna have to get David gonna, Ayers. That guy's on speed dial for the playoffs. Well, isn't he a coach for some team now? <clears throat> yeah, like some junior team or AHL or like Rebel League ECHL team. <clears throat> I have nightmares about twenty nightmares? thirty foot goals that in the playoffs that Anderson just waffles in, like just right through the five hole, just. Where you and they're, and they're series killers. Like those goals are series killers because, you know, and and I'm sure Maddie can back me up on this. You play different in front of a goaltender that you believe in. Oh, hundred percent. And when you when you have those go in, once is okay. But like a repeat offender, you you don't like press. once a game is bad. Yeah, you don't press as hard as you would because you feel like you have to compensate for a potential slip up that your goalie might have you 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 play uptight on defense you you collapse in front of the net because you feel like you have to make the save or whatever for your goaltender and those Not are very in the offensive zone too it's like well, that's what i say you don't if, press if, as hard right like yeah like you're not pushing because you want to fade back you're like shit if this comes around we have to be better defensively so we have to have three guys back so you don't have your full four check the d won't pinch in as much therefore their forward the other team's forwards pick up the puck and have more room to break the puck out because the pressure isn't there you know when you clear a puck instead of being able to be like you know what i have a second i feel confident i can make a play let's turn it around here make a good pass up high and tight off the glass you're essentially giving the the other team the puck with room to break it out again as well like you make less confident and lower efficiency plays you make safer plays which a lot of time in hockey when it's 
the every play is the safe play, you're essentially playing to not to lose. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And I feel like a couple, if, a couple hiccups in Carolina, and that team will play not to lose. Uh, and they're you know they're a good team. They got a lot of good pieces. I feel like they missed out on a few key things they could have acquired at the deadline. You know, in my personal opinion, Max Domi ain't it. Um, he ain't it. But the uh, the Bruins are an interesting matchup for Carolina because you want to talk about goaltending. It's there's they're all unproven in Boston, like legit yeah, unproven. But Boston's like a top five defensive team in the league. Yeah, but Swayman's a rookie. Allmark is. Uh, a former Buffalo Saber, and that's nothing against Allmark. We, uh, the Allmark Sabers were shit. A, Allmark is a journey every time he's out there. You never but really know what you're going to get. Right. I will take Allmark over whatever third stringer Carolina is going to throw out there. Yeah. I would take Swayman over any third stringer <laughs> that Carolina is going to throw out there. Yeah, but they're also not the big bad Bruins that they used to be, right? And I think no. I think that's but why think- when we talk about matchups that Toronto might have had. There's definitely a group uh, of people that would have preferred you, Toronto play the Bruins this round. No, for sure. But like, I also think the older Bruins guys, your Marchands and your Bergerons, they see that this is the end of the road of their success with this team. I think they see this as their last chance. They know that moving forward, like Jake DeBrusque wants out. He's essentially using this playoff to audition for whatever team he's going to get traded to, to say, this is why you want me. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he's doing. Marchand's not getting any younger. He's 33 now, I think. Bergeron is... That dude is being held together by... It has to be mechanical <laughs> parts. Every playoffs, the medical report comes out about Bergeron. Bergeron, and he's half dead. Dude, the, the best was the one year I think they lost, and I think it was like the Eastern Final or something like that, or even the Cup Final, maybe. Came out, he was playing with a punctured lung, a torn knee, two broken ribs, a broken wrist, like, <laughs> neck injury. Yeah. Like, the guy Head was essentially... Off. Yeah, like, he was essentially wheeled out on a gurney <laughs> and just tipped over, like, Hannibal Lecter onto the ice and say, okay, just sustain for 60 minutes and we're good. Just weekend at Bernie's him on that line. That's what happened, <laughs> Pretty right? much. But I think that they see that this is their last chance. I think they push a little harder. I don't know if it's enough to get by Carolina, who's been so good. Also, a guy like Rob Brindabore is not a guy you want to let down. And I think he will be able to motivate the rest of the team to play better in front of whoever their tendy is. I also think Carolina's defense is very well-rounded. Um, they may not have like the ultra-sexy player like a Roman Yossi or a Kale McCarr or anything like that on the back end, but Jacob I think they're, yeah, yeah, they got Brett Pesci. They got who else? Oh, no, Tony D'Angelo. Oh, Hannafin went to Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, they got Tony D'Angelo. They got. Uh, well, let's man. not kid ourselves. Like we can shit on Tony D'Angelo and how he's acted in the past. Great he's season. Still very good. He's still a very good player. Great like, season. That you can separate him being an idiot online versus in his belief sometimes versus his skill on the ice, right? And he's had a great season. I just. I do think this is a bit longer than most people will think it goes. I say Carolina in six, but I think it's a good series. I think it's better than most people think. I'm with you. I think, first of all, I want, I want to I, I actually ask both of you guys, because you brought up a point about 
you know, the, the top half, the upper half of the Bruins kind of aging out a bit. But it feels like they've been able to retool a little bit towards the bottom half, especially on the back end, to be younger, you know, with guys like Charlie McAvoy, to, to you know, in their goaltending with Jonathan Swayman, or Jeremy Swayman, sorry. Uh, do you think that, is this the last, or is this is this going to be an, an a, a, a bottom of a wave for the Bruins where in two to three years, they're kind of right back where they were. I kind of feel that's, that's more where they're at personally, but what about you guys? I think they've been able to do that because they've had Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak. You, but, if right, Bergeron but I, I and think Marshawn aren't those guys anymore. Cause in two years, you think Bergeron's going to be doing this when he's 40. No, but what I'm saying is in two years, if they tank out and get a couple good years of draft picks, are they right back in that conversation depending on who those draft picks are? Like for They example, had three straight first-round picks back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, and they messed up two out of three. So, no, I do not think when that. When was that, I though? Do not, that was the, um, the Barzell draft. Right. I know, I but... Think what you're, I think what you're saying, James, is like, are they... Would they be able to turn this around quickly? No. And I think they could. If, if you look at Pasternak, who's 25... Like he's still right there in a prime yeah. age for the next couple of years. Uh, McAvoy and uh, Carlo are still in their early, in their mid to early twenties, and plus you also have Swayman, who's twenty three years old and who I think will be a very good starting goaltender for a long time. And they have uh, Hampus Lindholm like under contract for a very Eight very years. very long time. So there's enough pieces there to build around. I don't think the Boston Bruins are going to have any trouble. Obviously, if you lose Bergeron and Marchand, that's a big hit. But I think they'll find it. Like they found a way to get Taylor Hall under the books, and sure, he's not the same Taylor Hall he used to be, but he's still under contract for the next four years. Shit, I so. forgot Taylor Hall even played for them to be honest, <laughs> right? And even guys like Nick Foligno, who's in his mid thirties now, but he's going to be a competitor on the ice. So I think the Bruins are going to actually. I think the Bruins are going to win this series, and I think it'll be tough. But I, I'm picking Bruins in seven. No, because you know what? If they get anywhere, <laughs> he just close says he goes. He goes no. He's like no. Because <laughs> I think if Carolina gets anywhere close to being eliminated by Boston, Ron Brindamore suits up. Yeah, I I I think I'm with Maddie here. I think, but I think it's I think it's a it's a nice six. I think it's a hard six that could go seven, but I think it's Carolina in six. Wow, we actually just, agreed on the games yes. and the team, dude. I'm just so looking, Maddie and I'm looking at their defensemen. Like listen to to Carolina's defense core: Ian Cole, Brady Shea, Tony D'Angelo, Brett Pesci, Brendan Smith, Jacob Slavin, Ethan Bear, and Jake Gardner's hurt, obviously. But that's that's deep. Like that's a really deep six seven defenseman to roll out there. And I mean, we didn't even talk about Martin Nekash, Tara Vinen. Niederreiter plays a, a mean game. They're. They're a good team, man. Like, Kotkaniemi plays on the uh-huh. fourth line. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there's a reason Carolina had a lot of success in the regular season. I mean, but again, like you said, it all, for this team, <laughs> it, it's it's pain in the goaltending department, all like, but right under question marks. Like, if everything was good in goaltending for Carolina, if they were all healthy, it's best case scenario is question marks, right? So now that question marks are removed, it's just like, eh, right? So, mm, 
Yeah, I don't know. I still say Carolina in six. I, I then, think I think if Anderson plays and he's anywhere north of eighty five percent healthy, I think Carolina takes this for sure. Like not even a question. Oh, they're gonna say Anderson plays team. Boston in seven. <laughs> Boston, <laughs> Boston in three if Anderson plays. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. speaking of goaltending, I did look it up. David Ayers is currently a coach with the Southern Professional Hockey League, yes, uh, the Vermilion, the Vermilion County Bobcats. Wow, that's right. a mouthful. And uh, interestingly enough, and I don't know if you guys remember this off the top of your head, do you remember the two goaltenders that got hurt for Ayers to go in? Freddie Anderson and no. oh no, <laughs> no, it was on Carolina. So it would have oh, been oh, on, oh, on Carolina. Peter Morazic no, and. Jim James Reimer. James Reimer. So two former Maple Leafs, and I'm counting Morazic as a former Maple Leaf. <laughs> two former Maple Leafs were the ones that end up leading to the Maple Leafs Zamboni driver to enter into the game and play 28 minutes and get the victory for his first and only NHL start. Yeah, he has an upper deck Young Guns card, by the way. Oh, man, that's fantastic. That's a card I would like to have. And I don't, <laughs> collect, I don't collect cards, but I think just for the hilarity of it, that yeah. would be a fun card to have. It's about twenty bucks. Uh, a fun, a fun series though should be our next matchup, and that's the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. That starts tonight, Monday, uh, ten o'clock Eastern, of course, because it is on the West Coast. Sportsnet has that one. CBC as well, because of course it's Edmonton, and CBC wants to latch on to Connor McDavid as much as they can. And ESPN two <laughs> in the states. This is a hard one. Because every <laughs> every every bit of me wants the Edmonton Oilers to finally do it. What? And let me hold on. Say what you will about the team. I like Connor McDavid, and I would like to see him get to that next level in the playoffs. But Edmonton has been such a tire fire for so <laughs> long. It's it's just one thing after another with this team. I don't know. I don't. The, the, the benefit here is that I don't think the Kings are good enough to beat Edmonton. I think Edmonton is going to have to beat themselves. So, with that being said, I think Edmonton finally does it, and Edmonton wins in six. James, uh, I know he because. Has no idea. <laughs> He's still trying to think about it. He's still trying to process what I just said. For all intents and purposes, the Oilers shouldn't win. Their goaltending... Koskinen had a great year, got shit on unceremoniously. Are you saying the Kings' goaltender's any better? Quick's, Quick's like... Cal Peterson played all right. And Peterson's Quick, been okay, but Quick, Quick is an old man rolled now. back the clock at least two years. Yeah. And if Mike Smith rolled back the clock two years, he'd still be 50. So... <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh Koskin got like undeservedly shit on and it's unfortunate because he had some really really solid performances this year for that team uh in spite of dude I I laugh about I laugh about the Oilers defense so much early on in the season because I was like there was no way that they're going to have to win every game 8-7 because their goaltending situation combined with their defense was the scariest shit I had ever seen in my entire life. For it's such because we have so many we have so many bad memories of Cody Cc and Tyson Berry. <laughs> that's and that, well, can't. that's it, right? <laughs> I mean, and Oscar Kleffbaum is probably never going to play again. But I got to say, and and a lot of well, and a lot of the things that Ken Holland did was sign these guys. Like Chris Russell is still on this team. 
Um, a lot of the things that Peter, or Ken, I was supposed to say Peter Holland. I'm like, that guy doesn't play anymore. Ken Holland, like the contract he gave CeCe, I thought when the Leafs got Cody CeCe, I was like, what the fuck are you doing, Dubis? Because he was RFA and we just didn't have to sign him. So when we traded him as part of the the uh, uh, Zaitsev deal to get Zaitsev contract off the books, CeCe was an RFA and all he had to do was just not sign CeCe. And that would have been four and a half million that he randomly gave CC, not given to CC, that he could have done anything else with. And I was like, there's nobody who could possibly make a decision that kind of dumb. And then Ken Holland gave CC like term. <laughs> so I was like, why? <laughs> right? So, you know, that it was, was always 13, 13 million dollars over four years for Cody CC, the contract Just, that he signed. You shouldn't have even said that. That's I'm going to cut that out of the show. Um, but they went on. Oh, I'm and saying got, it's a lot. I, I, what I'm saying is a lot of money. Like, it's yeah. a, it was a pay cut from his previous. Well, no, not really. He took a million and a half. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The numbers yeah. don't matter. The point is, he is getting way too much money. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. And term. And term. Well, him being in the league is too much. And then you know, Darnell Nurse, great. I I really like the acquisition uh, of Brett Kulak at the deadline. I thought he was kind of what they needed to to solidify. Well, I mean, I say solidify, but what are you solidifying at that point to to bolster the back end i'll say you know jesse pulley played a lot better i just don't i don't trust the oilers man i don't trust i don't trust that mcdavid trusts the oilers you know what i mean like i don't think that guy sits in the dressing room and looks around and goes these are my guys actually i think you know what? i take that back i think he sits in the dressing room and he looks around and he goes these are my guys, are my guys. <laughs> you know, I feel, I feel like him and dry will just look at each other and shake each other's heads all the time. I, I mean, the addition of Evander Kane, I mean, say what you will about anything about his off ice stuff has been quality. The guy's 40, 22 goals. Yeah. 40, 40 ish points in almost half the season. So he was on an 80 ish point pace. Zach Hyman. I mean, we want to talk about the Maple Leafs. And, and good contracts with Dubis, not giving Zach Hyman almost $6 million, uh, looks to be a revelation considering what they got for that money this year. So I don't know that they're getting full value out of a Zach Hyman at, at that money in that spot on the roster. You know, is that lineup better than the Leafs lineup was? I mean, if you, if you remove McDavid and Drysaddle for Matthews and Marner, no. It's also worth noting that Zach Hyman's deal was for seven years. That's what I mean. And he's probably not going to be playing his style of game after the first three because no, it takes absolutely. a toll on your body. So, and now yeah. you're going to expect him to go in this playoffs and lay it all on the line. And you just, you just signed him for seven. Like he's going to destroy himself this year and they may not even make it past the first round. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I want the Kings to win for the low. <laughs> I want it because I, I love the McDavid draft memes. I love the McDavid like looking like interview post game memes where you could tell they're clearly frustrated. Cause I tell you this right now, if the Kings win, he, when he has a chance, either one, maybe behind closed doors. Cause he's probably got a little bit of class that he asked for a trade or he says, figure this out because when he's a UFA, he's gone. There's no way he sticks around. Even if it's like they lose this year and maybe the next couple years they go second round and then fizzle out or whatever, I think he's gone. Um, so 
I think they need to win this series. Like, where LA, it's like, no one expected them to be here. No one thought they would even make it. You know, their young guys are stepping up. They look good. I also think we forget what a guy, and granted, they're very different styles of player, and it probably suits a lot different. We forget what Philip Deneau did to Austin Matthews. Yes. Don't right? underestimate Philip Deneau. Like, that dude is in it for the pizza. And he <laughs> wants that pizza. And I think it's either... And I would say Dreisaitl is a closer player to Matthews, obviously, than Matthews is to McDavid, just in terms of play style. So I don't even think it's Deneau shutting down Connor McDavid. It's Deneau shutting down Leon Dreisaitl. And then it's all on McDavid. And then you have Anze Kopitar, who's one of the best defensive centers to play the game in the past 30 years, who will be draped all over McDavid. Because you can be as fast as you want. When you get in front of the net, you got to take some punishment. And... I don't think McDavid can handle the punishment that's going to come to him in front of the net. Granted, the Kings don't have Drew Doughty. He's out. Darnell Nurse, yes, questionable for the Oilers of how healthy he'll be, as with every team who has guys with questionable health right now. I just think this is a nightmare scenario for the Oilers. The Oilers win. They're going to run into an absolute monster in the second round. The Oilers lose. They lost. And it's a tire fire. You think it was a tire fire before. They'll burn that city to the ground. I mean, the the entertainment factor is definitely there if the Oilers lose this round. Honestly, the thought of them losing to the Kings, my pants are getting tight. The the interesting piece is that how how sneaky good the front end of the LA Kings are. Anze Kopitar, Adrian Kempe, Alex Ayafalo, Dustin Brown, Andreas Anathanasiu. Thank you. I played with his brother. Arthur Kaliev, Gabe Velarde, Victor Arvidsson, who was a hell of a pickup from Nashville. Nashville, I, Nashville fans still pissed about uh, losing Victor Arvidsson. Philip Deneau, like you mentioned, and Quinton Byfield, who yo, I'm a big Quinton Byfield guy. I'm on could, the Quinton Byfield could be, train. Could be a wild card in this series. Uh, and you talk about net front. Connor McDavid's gonna have to put up with Alex Edler punishment for the LA Kings. So oh, he he single-handedly ruined the playoffs for Zach Hyman last year by the hit that he gave him that dirty knee on knee hit that injured Hyman's leg. Hyman didn't come back until game 1 and it was being, you know, pieced together with needles and the old freezing needle into the knee. And if it wasn't for that hit, Hyman's probably going into last year's playoffs at 100%. So yeah. I'm getting the impression that you're both saying the Kings are winning this series. I have Oilers in six. What do you guys say? This one is probably the one I'm most conflicted on, I'll be honest. This is the one series that I'm torn between what I want to happen and what I think will happen. I want the Kings to win, again, for the content, or as, you know, Bissonet put, content. I want it for the content. But, realistically... I think the Kings are young. I think, yes, Quick has dialed it back, but man, I I I think I I I think it goes seven either way. And then I hate myself for saying this: Edmonton in seven. Oh, I, I was I literally typed Kings in, and I was waiting for you to tell me how many <laughs> games. All right, Oilers in seven for Maddie James. Are you Kings? Are we all going to say Oilers here, even though we just ran them down for the past ten minutes? <laughs> It's, 
It's like, it's like <laughs> your your ex girlfriend. You cheated on me. You're sly. I hate you. You're a bit. Blah. I can't wait to get back together with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I, there's. I think there's a level of let's do it for Dusty in the in the LA locker room after yeah, he announced that he's going to retire. And listen, Dustin Brown's yeah, a guy he's, I he's, I wanted he's on this won a fu- cup before. He's fucking awesome, okay? And I wanted him on this <laughs> goddamn Leafs team for so many years. Um, and I think, but I think everybody wants to go out when it, like, listen, Tom Brady wants to go out. I don't even know what the fuck Tom Brady wants to go out to do. Uh, everybody wants to go out winning something. I think Dustin Brown, and I think the, the locker room wants to have one more. Do it for Brownie. Yeah. Win this one for Lou, like in Major League. Uh but I'm Oilers in seven. So we all ended up picking the Oilers anyways. Uh, yeah. Oilers in seven for James. Uh, so everyone is Oilers in seven except me. I said Oilers in six. I will say <laughs> Somehow this, after all of that, we came full circle and all just picked the Oilers anyways. I will say this. I will not be disappointed if I'm wrong on this one. I agree. I it could agree. just um, as easily be LA in five. You know, Oilers in seven or LA in five, like both seem... Well, completely plausible to me we all completely forget that before and granted we all know sometimes teams get a boost with a coach firing but we all forget how terrible and i don't mean like yeah just like they were bad like historically terrible the oilers were just before they fired Tippett. yep it was insanely comedic how bad they were so speaking of comedic my grade 12 physics teacher used to always call everyone by their last name so i'd be mr perry when i walked in and it was a few years later probably four or five six years later i saw him at a restaurant or something i don't remember where it was and he looks at me and he goes and you see the wheels turning he's trying to figure out like what my name is it's like dustin brown i'm like Nope, that's a hockey player, and also the uh, and, and also, also the color racist. of my skin. <laughs> <They're racist>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not quite sure what he meant by that, but I uh, full points for at least getting the Dustin part right. You know what? Funny. The fact that he called you Mister Perry, but he went with your first name, is impressive. Yeah, like he was able to pull that one out of the the old bank there. So I can't totally fault him for that. Second last match. We have the Calgary Flames versus the Dallas Stars. That begins on Tuesday, 10 o'clock Eastern on Sportsnet, CBC, and ESPN2 down south. I think the Flames are my pick out of the West. Yes. I think they are just going to torch, oh, yeah. to, use a, <laughs> to use an appropriate word. I think you're going to torch everyone, uh, in, <laughs> everyone along the way. I, I believe in this Flames team. Um, I have actually money on them to win the Stanley Cup as we speak, but I won't talk about that because that may be illegal. But let's just say, actually, it's not, not anymore. anymore in Ontario. No, no. Not anymore. So that is legal to do, yeah, and I definitely did it through legal means. So uh, the, the flames are my using a legal to bookie in twenty twenty two. I imagine some people probably do. Oh. It's the familiarity, right? Or they're worried about their knees getting. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to give up on this then. guy. Yeah. True. Or what yeah. if they have like a ton of money up- in that account? Well, yeah. you don't want to end up in a trunk like Matt said. You yeah. know, he's buckled. Yeah, you're toasted in a trunk. Kerosene, I, I like doused that. in kerosene. Gag. I think bound. there's a lot of guys. Okay, <laughs> we get it. <laughs> there's a lot of guys on Dallas that I do like, and I think Dallas is a fun team to watch. I just don't think they have what it takes to beat. 
the Calgary Flames. As much as um, I like Taylor Sega, and he's always like the the punchline of the joke for the Maple Leafs fans that, oh, they could have had Taylor Sagan if they didn't trade away two first-round yeah. picks for Phil Kessel for some unknown right, reason. That okay will, we will never understand the reasoning for that ever in our lives. It will never make sense why that trade happened. I, do you know I actually saw Sagan's dad in a bar once? I, was, I, I think it was him and his daughter. It may not be his daughter. I don't, I don't remember. It was many, many years ago. And the guy says to me, and I, I was serving his table, and he says to me, like, do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I know who you are. And yes, I know who your son is. And yes, I would rather your son be playing for the Maple Leafs. But this is where we are. Here's your bill, sir. <laughs> I, I don't want I'm, not sure what, I'm not sure what he wanted out of the interaction. Like if I was going to give him a discount or something because his son played in the NHL. But oh, nevertheless, yeah. I, I do like a lot of the guys on Dallas. I don't think Dallas is winning this series. I think Calgary not only is winning this series, I think Calgary is sweeping this series. I am taking the Flames in four. Yep, I can wrap this up very quickly. <laughs> Calgary's built for this. Daryl Sutter knows what has to be done. I don't think Ben and Radulov are in their prime anymore. As much as Ben's one of my favorite players, Sagan's young, yes, but he can't carry this. Goudreau, Manjapani, Kachuk for Calgary on the front end, plus their D, which is pretty well-rounded and pretty solid. It's Calgary in four. And Jacob Markstrom, who was arguably the Vesna favorite at the start of the year, still fantastic goalie. He's still going to be a Vesna finalist. It's Calgary in four. Does he not lead the shutouts this year? Yeah, he had, like, didn't he have something like eight shutouts before halfway through the season? Something crazy. Some, look, some shit like that. I don't that know. Up. It's Calgary and four. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this. Let's move on. Jim, Calgary and <laughs> four. You know it. Let's go. No, um, I was going to say, it's funny how the the Dallas Stars, I think, kind of mimic the Bruins in where they are in their franchises. Young, uh, promising goaltenders, Swayman on one side, Andre on the other side. Uh, a lot of good young pieces coming through. I mean, Jason Robertson had a 40-goal season that legit nobody talks about. That's fucking incredible. You know, his brother's uh, obviously a Leaf prospect and Nick Robertson, so you, you get you hope it's in the blood. You hope it's it's there for Nick as well. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't think the Stars have the horses to, to get through this. You know, Klingberg didn't even really want to be there, it sounded like, at the trade deadline. He just didn't get moved. Um, so... Yeah, I I mean, you're right. Calgary's built for this. Cal, again, in, in similar franchises, you look at Calgary, looks very similar to Florida, I would say, in, in the way their teams are made up. I, although I think Calgary has a lot more down low grit, I think. And, and I actually think Calgary probably has a little bit more speed. Like in their nuts? No, I think they have a little bit more speed oh. as well. Um, yeah. Through the neutral zone, so... Yeah, if it's not Calgary and four, it's Calgary and five. I think. I think honestly, this one wraps up by Friday, and they'll only play two games. By and let's let me say this too: I am absolutely here for the return of Daryl Sutter press conferences in the playoffs oh. in 2022. I'm ready. There, talk about content! Like that dude is a content machine post game for wins or losses. The fact that he said, you know, a couple weeks ago oh, we want to avoid playing Colorado because that's going to be a shitty eight days. You know, I love it. And he's not one to generally one mince words and two, even give heat praise on other teams yeah. or players. He plays the game. Like he his yeah. everything with Daryl Sutter has a purpose and that's why I love it. 
because well, you know he doesn't also doesn't give a shit. He's like, oh, if this doesn't work out, I go back to the farm and start ranching again. Like, he doesn't care. He's he he's two-time cup winner with the Kings. He harried Calgary as a coach for a couple of those years early on and when they were really good. Previously, hockey family royalty. Yeah, the Sutters. They're. I mean, if they're not the first family of hockey, I don't know who else would be, right? So yeah, but yeah. Calgary and four. I love Jamie Ben. He's one of my favorite players. I mean, guys like that is who I modeled my game after growing up. You know, Jamie Ben, Rick Nash. You know, big guys who could crash and bang and destroy people. Could shoot the puck. Could dangle for a big guy like nobody but else. He's love definitely him, not the Jamie Ben of old, is he? He's not the Jamie Ben who. I mean, arguably it was an eighty-four, eighty-five point Art Ross win, which is the lowest I think in, you know, yeah. past. 50 60 years or some shit like that but man what if the owner comes I, out and says they're shit at the first game though well and they yeah, just turn it around that once <laughs> yeah no I, I don't think i think calgary's just dialed in yeah i think calgary and four let's go james you said four or five i need a number i'm gonna give dallas one five all right flames and five and that brings us to our final matchup of the well of the first round of the playoffs at least it's a small one no one really cares about this one so we might not spend a whole lot of time on this one this is the toronto maple leafs and the tampa bay lightning this one begins tonight 7 30 eastern on sportsnet on cbc and espn2 in the states uh it was earlier today well i guess by the time you hear this earlier sunday where sheldon Keefe said He's expecting a borderline violent series with the Tampa Bay Lightning, which will be definitely fun to watch. The I, I think the interesting thing that came out of the lines, the practices today, all the lines they're working with at practice, that Jason Spezza's not in the lineup, which is interesting to me. I thought Engvall would come out and Spezza goes in, but really? I think... I, yeah, I, I don't see... And I hate Engvall. Sometimes, or, or maybe, or maybe Black, or, or maybe Blackwell comes out. Like I, I don't, I didn't think Spezza would be the odd man out. Looking at what their lineup looks like now, uh, in terms of defense, it's exactly what I expected. I expected Sandine and Hall to be the odd guys out, and that's the way it's looking. You don't go out and get Labushkin if you're not going to end up putting him in the playoffs. Like this is specifically the reason you brought in Labushkin. So I think he has to play, and it, that's what Keith is going with for this for this series, or at least on game one of the series. It is really hard for me to pick a winner of this series. Every logical thing in my brain is telling me lightning in five. Every logical part of my body wants me to say lightning are going to win this series. you got to figure at some point this Maple Leafs team is going to figure it out. We give so much, not we, I don't personally do this. <laughs> the Toronto the Toronto media gives so much shit to guys like Marner and Matthews and Nylander and to a lesser extent Riley. The core of this team that they haven't been able to get it done. And year after year they just cannot win a first round series. People forget that Austin Matthews is 24 years old. People forget that William Nylander is 26. Mitch Marner is 24. These are still very young guys. And sure, when they were in their early 20s, they didn't have a whole lot 
of experience in this situation and they didn't do well. I don't think that's that should be a a knock against them. You shouldn't condemn condemn them for that. Austin Matthews has proven by scoring 60 goals this year, he is the best player in the NHL. Period. I don't think Tampa has that. Of course Kucherov is fantastic. Stamkos is very very Stamkos good. had 100 points season. I, I'm not taking anything away from Tampa. But I think player for player, the lineup is better for the Maple Leafs. And maybe that's a, there's a bias there of me saying that. I think if you look at their defense, player for player, this is the best Toronto Maple Leaf defense we have seen since the Brian Leach and Brian McCabe days. And since 2003, this is the best defensive core this team has ever had with Brody, Giordano, Riley, Muzzin. And obviously Lubushkin in there as well. I don't care who you put in at six, whether it's Sandine or Lilligren or Hall. All that being said, Tampa and five. <laughs> James, go ahead. We're, we'll obviously spend some time breaking this down, and I think there's going to be a little bit of discussion on what we see going forward. I think I'm going to read a couple quotes from Sheldon Keefe from today. The first one being, he said, the officials will have to decide how they want to call the game, but our expectation is, based on history, that it's going to be a very physical it's going to be very physical. A lot of stuff is going to be let go, and we have to find our way to play through that and initiate it ourselves. I think we've done that well enough throughout the season, and we'll be ready to do it again. That's the first quote. The second quote, I have to just... Uh, oh, no. That's the same quote. Never mind. Um, I thought there were different quotes that I read throughout the day. The other one was just really long, and I'm not going to get to it, but I digress. It's You, you mentioned who the Leafs have. And I think stacked up against Tampa, it's not it's it's not bad. It's how those players decide to play. And it's kind of what I talked about in the first episode with Mitch Marner. If they want, and it's kind of what Keith's getting at, they need to initiate. If they initiate, they are going to put Tampa on their heels. There's one thing I think the Leafs have over the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that is their speed. I think the Leafs are the fastest team in the NHL when they want to be, when they want to be first on pucks. And if they can initiate and hang with, and not just hang with the physicality, but start bringing it to them, they have a very good chance to get out of the series, provided they don't run into 99 out of 100 Vasilevsky. The other piece is the Tampa Bay Lightning defense are beasts. Victor Hedman, Eric Chernak, Mikhail Sergachev, these guys are very, very mean players, and they're going to dole out a shit ton of punishment to that front end of the Leafs core. Now, the Leafs have a very different team, like you said, than we've seen. David Kampf could be the X factor in the series in, in shutting down, you know, the Kucherov points players of the series. Him, uh, Kasha, you know, Engvall, Mikheyev, those guys who can who can do all of those things and shadow other guys. I think if they can do that, that's going to be a very important element to the series. But like you said, I'm really looking for Austin Matthews to, like you said, be the best player in the NHL in like he's been all season, 200 foot game, initiating physicality, playing big. Um, and, and to your point, a lot of people shit on Labushkin because he has as shitty, uh, like analytics numbers, but again, analytics means fuck all 
come the playoffs, I think. And and guys like Labushkin are, are built for this game. And a lot of the stuff he does is going to get, you know, not called. It's going to get let go. Uh, and, and for years, we've always said there's nobody protecting the front of the net for the Leafs, and Labushkin can do that. So and he's he's gonna he's gonna make those Tampa guys look over their shoulder when they make plays in the uh, in the offensive zone. And the minute you start forcing your opponent to look over their shoulder and and question who's behind you and 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 put more thoughts because hockey is a game again, Maddie, you and I like hockey is a game of split second decisions. The longer you force your opponent to make a decision, the higher the opportunity to have a mistake made by that is there and if the Leafs can force mistakes they got a chance the more the more you think in hockey the more likely you are going to make a mistake like I was telling this to a friend who just asked like he started getting into hockey uh the past couple years you know and he was just like well how do you do this how do you do that and I'll be honest it was hard for me to tell him because as I said to him I was like dude I it's 33 years of doing this it's all instinct and then you know you realize that the more you play on instinct and just knowing innately inherently where you have to put the puck what you're doing where you're going infinitely better you play because it cuts out a good two three seconds of decision making i think you're right i think if they can take away tampa's time and get on them and i think then they have a chance i'm very nervous i don't like doing this when it comes to my team because you're always conflicted with the heart and the head it has looked though that Matthews and Marner have been on a mission this year it has looked as they are set out to prove everyone wrong from the past couple years and it looks like they've been on another level focus wise that we haven't seen from them a level of maturity as it were we did talk about this a couple weeks ago with a couple other guys that you know on Jim's apology to Marner that I just think that they're ready to grab the rest of this team and drag them through if they need to now whether they can do that on Tampa I don't know I do think Tampa's played so much hockey more so than any other team in the past three years that that does go a long way and as much as Stamkos had a career year and Kutrov is seems healthy that's a lot of miles, man. And to be, you know, everyone says, oh, well, Tampa's turned it on in the month of April. A lot of those teams were far out of it. A lot of those teams were just going through the motions. They had, you know, they had WestJet booked. They were on Expedia.ca those nights and, you know, ready to get out. While Tampa's, you know, playing, trying to obviously catch either the Leafs or get some home ice or, you know, get in a position to play. So I do think that as much as, yeah, they did pick it up a bit, I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors because some of the games and teams they played have been either solidified in where they are in their position in the standings or they're just not even in the playoffs and so they probably just don't even really give a shit. So, and you never want to question a guy's competitive nature, but still, let's be honest. I think that this this one goes the distance. Um, I think Toronto's overall depth on paper is a little better than Tampa's this year. I think the loss of that Tampa third line really hurt them. I was just going to say that actually. I was just going to say that lest we forget that that world-class third line of Tampa Bay is no longer existent. Yeah. And so I think you take 
Toronto's top line, Tampa's top line, I don't think there's any question you're going to take Toronto's. You take the second line, you might take Braden Point over John Tavares, but are you going to take the wingers over Nylander? Or no, to be cl- Sorry, to be clear, so the first line of Tampa is Palat, Stamkos, and Kucherov. Yeah. And first line of Toronto, as it were today, Kerfoot, Matthews, Marner. So you would take that Maple Leafs line over that? Second line of the Lightning, Hagel, Point, Sorelli. And Leaf second line is Mikheyev, Tavares, and Kasha. Or Kasha. Well, I'm, 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 I'm banking on potentially Nylander being on that second line. I think him being on the third doesn't last. I think that second line ends up going back to Nylander with him on the wing. So if you take Tavares and Nylander, Sorelli's a great player, but he's not as offensively good as Nylander. Point is arguably one of the top players in the NHL, but he hasn't been the Braden Point of the past two years this season. Which again, some injuries, still, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, I know I also very aware that like a sixty percent of point is still better than a hundred percent of a lot of other guys in the league. But I just think then you start looking at the third line and okay, Nick Paul, Hagel, and what's the and Hagel doesn't look like a two first round pick. Or whatever it was, no guy. He doesn't. So the lines that Tampa was practicing with today was Kalorn, Colton, and Paul was their third line, and the Maple Leafs on the third line had uh, Nylander and Engvall with Camp in the middle. I don't hate that. Yeah, like, I don't hate it either. I mean, the Kampf and Engvall make up the extra 150 feet that Nylander sometimes doesn't play. So I will say this though: when Nylander is driven and he's dialed in, yeah, he plays hundred feet. He no, he's <laughs> are like he's a turnover machine, not turning the puck over, but making the other team turn over the puck. He's one of the top neutral zone players in the NHL for sure. His steals and his ability to move the puck and get it into spaces. I said this the other night, I was watching the Boston game with Toronto Boston game with my dad. There's just moments and the thing that like I guess drives me nuts about Nylander, and I don't think drives me nuts, but I think drives a lot of other team nuts is he just looks so nonchalant and like he doesn't give a shit and then all of a sudden he sees his moment and he sees his lane and he just turns it on, he goes and then it's in the net. And I think that's what catches a lot of other players off guard is his ability to just flip the switch and just say all right i'm gonna go and it also frustrates the leafs as well because they're like do this all the time but he doesn't and, and it's funny because he was the, arguably probably the best player in the playoffs for the the leafs last year um, and he could very well be one of those guys that he just knows he's gonna be decent in the season and he's just saving it for playoffs because he dialed it up in the world championships too he was the player of the tournament when he played in the world championships right there's, so yeah there's there's just not a lot of room for mistakes for this toronto maple leafs team playing the Tampa Bay Lightning because even if even if you do all the things right it's Vasilevsky that stands in front of you and I will say this though the Leafs have been one of the few teams that have been able to get to Vasilevsky yeah throughout the season and that's what and that's what I think makes it so interesting they have to they have to man up and I think that's why like you said the lineup is on the fourth line Blackwell uh, Clifford and Simmons and a lot of people are sh- I've seen on social media shit talking the Clifford move on that fourth line 
but let's you let's, need Clifford there. Yes, yeah. there's a reason why Clifford's there. You do because again, it's the NHL fucking playoffs. You can't sit here and and bemoan the fact that the games are called different, and then not put that in your lineup. Clifford, listen, he's not. He doesn't have. He's got hands of stone. Okay, he's not. He's a north south guy, but if he's not first on pucks, he's letting you know that he's the next guy on the puck. He stands up for his teammates. And when you look at the bottom half of, of Tampa uh, from a forward perspective, when you this match is where up it's scary. Well, when you match up toughness for toughness, you're looking at Maroon and the Leafs counter with Simmons and Clifford. Okay. You know. It's Maroon, it's Belmar, and it's Corey Perry. Yeah, but Corey Perry's more of a pass than he is a tough guy. Yeah. What but are we forgetting what happened last year against the Montreal Canadiens with Corey Perry? Yeah. But we also didn't have Giordano feeding that dude in front of the net. We also didn't have a Labushkin feeding that dude in front of the net telling you to fuck right off. Or who's yeah, the, who, just, who's the, was Labushkin saying. the one that tapped him on the head? No, that was Clifford. He got five oh, yeah. five hundred dollars <laughs> Like That's the thing. As much as Corey Perry's a pest, it seems like Kyle Clifford knows how to get under his skin. It probably comes from the days in L.A. Yeah, and I would equate Clifford's sandpaper to both Bellamare and, and Perry No, I, I would say Bel, no, Belmar, he's... I mean, I would say he's closer to a Blackwell in terms of more of annoyance than he is like a sandpaper gritty type guy. Good on faceoffs, and he'll get first on a puck, or he'll kind of grind it out, but he's not like... I, I would say that Maroon against Clifford or Simmons, I mean, Simmons can handle Maroon. Clifford, we know, can probably handle Maroon. Same thing with Corey Perry. Those two guys can handle that. I think Belmar, it's him and Blackwell, and Blackwell's a probably a quicker player and probably a little bit more feisty because he's a smaller guy he's got that little guy thing you know so <laughs> he's i do small man syndrome it's small man syndrome i've had to deal with guys like with small man syndrome my whole life it's annoying Again, I, i'm just saying maroon i think we all know with the three consecutive stanley cups like and he will let you know about, all about it <laughs> So, oh, yeah. Well, the hot mic the other night yeah, when they you, played the Leafs. You need – what you need is that – okay, so the bottom six of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Engvall, again, he's had a pretty good season, drives me absolutely up the fucking wall because sometimes he looks like a goof out there, doesn't know where he's going, and he's so – he's got so much body, he just needs to figure out how to fucking use it sometimes. If, if those bottom six and if you rotate – Nylander up and somebody else down. Mikheyev might be a good option. Um, or Kasha, should Kasha make... It says he's questionable. Um, close. Uh, bunting is doubtful. You need these guys to wear down those bigger defensemen on Tampa. Hedman, Chernak, Sergeyev. You have to You have to wear them out. Whether it's through cycles, crash and bang, whatever. Because... You know, those guys are, are top-tier defensemen and beasts. So, you know, Toronto's going to have to play the game. Like, they're going to have to play the game that everyone has said they got to play. And, and it's everything that everyone, you know, Dubas has said for years, you know, we have to develop within them. And there's an argument as to whether you can develop that, that fire that, you know, like, fuck Bet365 or whatever the fuck Matthews is on TV for. You know that shit's got to go out the window. Like he's got to be willing to to lose some teeth and, and and you know ruin the money maker a bit and show up to a UFC event busted. Like that's that's got to be it. We forget that the Leafs have stepped up 
against better competition this year. Their record against teams above a certain win percentage is infinitely better than teams below sure. it. But again, different game. And they, they have no, to be sure. they have but to I be prepared think... to play at that level. They have to be prepared to be pieces of shit. And that's, you know, pieces of shit win cups. That's it's it's a proven fact. Claude Lemieux, big piece of shit, won a ton of cups. Tom Wilson, piece of shit, won cups. Matt Cook, Penguins, piece of shit. Like Patrick Maroon. Patrick Maroon, big piece of shit, wins cups. You know, Corey Perry, piece of shit, wins cups. Like it's well, a cup, a cup. Yeah, but still, a cup is more than no cups. Dustin but Brown, I say, I piece of shit. Is, I think the key is is they have to get Tampa into a position where their fourth line has to be their difference maker. Because if that's the case, then Tampa's in trouble. If it gets to a point where the Leafs' top three lines, or if the Leafs just scoring and whatever, and then Tampa has to be like, we need you guys to make more of a difference, then Tampa's in trouble. Yeah, if the Leafs get, you know what, if the Leafs get cutesy too, if that, if they, I saw this, the Marner doing the between the legs in practice, and everyone's like, oh, they're ready for the play. Motherfucker, that, that's not ready for the playoffs. Like, I hope that's just digging around. Okay, I will say this. Growing up, if I saw a dude in warm-up dicking around like that, like, my warm-up was go in, few shots on net, maybe handle the puck back and forth just to get the hands ready, the wrists ready. You shoot the puck just to kind of get the feel, the kick point of the stick, everything like that. How's it feeling? Whatever. You stretch out, do a few laughs, backwards, forwards, each way, whatever, you're good. If I saw a dude who was getting fancy in warm-up, I took his number because my main goal was to take his head off. Yeah, and like so, did you see that clip, Dustin, of Marner in practice between the legs over to Matthews for the one timer beating the number one? You know, people are watching. You don't want to dummy your goaltender and your defenseman with these between the legs shit. Like they dummied Brody on this two on one drill. Um, I did not see this clip. You know, well, he did like a. He, I you know, I used to try this. I wasn't very good at it. Uh, so you put the puck behind you backhand, but between your legs. So that when you receive it, it's on your forehand. And Mitch Marner's, uh, was he a right-handed shot? Yes, so, And then he's all over to Matthews. And then Matthews one-times it from the opposite wing on the two-on-one. And he buried it. I remember, and I'm saying, and I all, the, all the comments on Twitter were like, these guys are playoff ready. I'm like, that's a fucking death sentence. Like, that's not playoff ready. You know, like, that, you, you pull that shit and you're toast. Like, game over. You think what happened to Tavares was bad? They try that cutesy shit, it's fucking game over. They almost have to out Tampa Tampa. And that's that's what they have to do. And I know it sucks everyone says you got to play your game. If that's their game, they're going to lose. And they're going to mm. lose in five. I, I think they learned very, very swiftly in the last two playoffs that getting cute doesn't work. As much as they're doing that in practice, we got to remember. Are we talking about practice? Are we talking about practice? Talking about practice? talking about practice man it's practice it's practice not, not the game not the game, not the game. listen practice. it's been like a hundred years of games and we're still here no, so until i see you're it making a point of being like this is what they're going to do in the past no it's not no i'm not i'm what i'm saying game. is that was the reaction is people saying they're ready no well, don't, that's, don't that get can't. on don't get on the players that that's the reaction no what the i'm saying is just, right but what i'm saying is if that's what they bring and until i see them bring something different in the playoffs that's so all I know. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And that's why I'm picking Lightning in five, because I want to see this team prove what we believe they can be. And yeah. until they do that, 
I'm going with the Lightning. As much as I would love to see the Maple Leafs go to the next round, I would love to see them go further in the playoffs. And a Calgary-Toronto Stanley Cup final would be amazing until they can prove that they can play this style of game that we're talking about, that we need to see them play. I, I, I'm not buying it yet. The benefit is, too, is that Tampa is probably their worst matchup. Like, throughout the East, like, if they're going to play, maybe the Rangers, because Shesterkin has stonewalled the, the Leafs the, the entire year. But if if they meet up with any other team, I don't think it's much of an issue. Um. I, and so say if that they get now out, until they have to play. <laughs> say that now until they have to play Boston second. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't think they have an issue with a lot of the other teams. Um, even just looking at the maybe Florida, right? But I mean, if you're only scared, if you're only really scared of two teams, it's not bad. Even yeah. even then, though, I don't think Florida necessarily scares them to the point because Florida's just as unproven. Yep. As anybody else right now, right? I don't know. Tampa's a tall task. I I think Tampa's a very tall task. I do think, though, like, we all give to say Washington had to go through it when we won the Cup, right? And these guys, that they all had to go through it win the Cup. Maybe this is finally that time that they went through it. Not to say they're going to win a Cup. I don't want to be, like, radioed or being like, oh, look what you're saying. I don't. I'm not saying a Cup. But I'm saying if there was ever a time to say, to apply that logic... To say, okay, now's the time. It was last year. Sheldon Keith. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the path to the finals. I think this would be the time. I'm not, and I know, I don't know if I can put a prediction on this. I can't. You have to. That's literally what we're doing in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's the PP episode. You've done the preview, now predict. Uh, what was your, like, Dustin said Tampa in five. You didn't I said even Tampa make, five. Jim didn't even predict yet, so shut up. I know. No, you I'm, shut your I'm, mouth when you're talking I, to me. I, I, I am the only one in this uh, document so far that has the prediction down. James, if you want, feel free. Matt, you're welcome to go first. <laughs> oh, God, I hate you both. I've already Liter- made mine. What do you, literal literal show- you want from me? Like, my literal show notes, which I showed you guys, said, God, I'm nervous. I have a love-hate with my team in the playoffs. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I'm with you. I feel like if the Leafs won, I would be elated and surprised. But I'm going to prove it. I'm I'm still in prove it mode. It's the PPP episode prediction preview prove it. I Tampa t-shirt. Tampa and six. It, I, like if they it, you know what though if they come out fire if the Leafs get up ahead two games and I know that sounds like a dummy comment but if they get up two games they can win the series if they take game one in in, in convincing fashion play not just you know they they scored they won the game five three. No, if they win three to one, they initiate Clifford Simmons allow the other guys to play big. Labushkin allows the other guys to play big. They, they even Geo. Yeah, they play a little bit of pest. Yeah, Geo's an X factor. We haven't really touched on. That's a lot of leadership and a guy who who really needs a cup for you know for the career he's had. And, and he's been around the playoffs a lot. And there's a lot of guys actually on that team that, that need a cup. Spezza and Geo, you know. So you know Tavares deserving as well. So. You know, maybe there's something to that as well. I mean, they couldn't do it for Joe or Jason last year, but uh, fuck you I guys, Leafs and seven. I hate you both. <laughs> if they get up two games, the Leafs win the series again. I know it's a dummy comment. If they get down, if they lose the first game or they're down to nothing, I think they can win a couple. But then I say Tampa in six. Well, game one is going to be tonight. 
uh, 7.30 Eastern on Sportsnet and CBC, the Maple Leafs and the Lightning. We are definitely going to be watching that game. And we will talk more about that game Wednesday morning. We are going to have a normal episode released this week. This was our special playoff preview, NHL Stanley Cup playoff preview. Longer we than having, I thought. <laughs> uh, twice as long as we thought it was going to be. Uh, which I kind of thought it was going that way when I was halfway through the list and we were already an hour in. I'm like, well, this is it's going. This is going to be as long yeah. as it's going to be. And Jim wanted to just squeeze it. Shut in the fuck with up. Other stuff. Wrap up the fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so a little behind the curtain there. We were talking about like, should we do a regular episode? Oh, we can squeeze in all these other topics we want to talk about. Not no, happening. we definitely couldn't. So we will have a regular episode dropping on Wednesday morning. I understand. Give us a couple days to react from this one and breathe from this one and also give us a day to talk about game one of Leafs and Tampa and all the other games that are happening in the coming days we will cover that and we're going to cover some baseball stories and some football stories we just had the NFL draft that's going to be and of course we have to talk about the Raptors and the whole thing with Gordon Dragic, Dragic close out the season that cl- and that clown and uh, many <laughs> clowns we're going to talk about in that episode uh Maddie, James, anything before we go? Literally nothing, but it's playoff hockey, and that's all I'm doing for the next week. <laughs> so. A lot of guys, a lot of guys are going to get injured, and a lot of guys yeah. are are going to, you know, every year. This is they say it's the hardest trophy to win, and yep. it really is because from game one, it is literally zero to sixty. Yeah, and it's a battle of wills, and in no other sport does does the who wants it more reflect and shine brighter than the nhl it's 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 a mission 16 and each win is a death sentence because you know there's a lot of pride in hockey and guy i mean i say there's a lot of pride in hockey look like i'm not a condoning it look what happened in, in anaheim you know it's guys don't like being dummied and these are the best of the best teams. The best, well, the the best 16 teams, maybe not playing the team they should be playing, but they're the best 16 <laughs> teams. And these guys aren't going to like to get dummied. You talk about the Oilers. They're not going to want to get dummied. The Leafs can't afford to get dummied. Um, it's I would say be, the Oilers more so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be, you know, this year there's a lot on the line for a lot of these teams, and it's going to be a bloodbath. Minnesota can't afford to get dummied. Like, it's crazy. Well, the the storylines in this year in terms of what what teams have on the line is actually well, kind of incredible. There's guys getting older that this is their last kick at the can. But yeah, it's there's, a generational overturn it, too, yeah, right? There's there's teams that will get blown up if there's – like, if the Leafs get swept, they get blown up. If they lose to Tampa in seven, I mean, it's Tampa. What do you do, right? The Oilers, same thing. There's a lot of it. Same thing with like as you said, Minnesota in the cap, and Colorado. I think, I think yeah, Colorado too. If 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 they get dummied in that first round, you think McKinnon sticks around? Who knows? But the one thing I would say is that for any of the listeners here who aren't predominantly hockey fans or never really got into it, if there was ever a time to see why hockey fans are so giddy about the sport of hockey, first round playoffs is why guys it's it's all hard and i it's that's the only way i can put it is you can be the most skilled player and we've all seen it over the past 100 years that it's not the stars that win you 
a lot of your playoff games or rounds. It's your grit grinders. It's your fourth line guys. It's your heart guys. The guys that are willing to saw their leg off to win. And the first round is the perfect display of that. It's all heart, and it's a whole lot of fun. And we will be with you every step of the way of the NHL playoffs. And we will be discussing all of that and all of the sports stories in the sports world right here on 43.6, the only sports podcast that you ever wanted, or the sports pa- podcast you always wanted. I <laughs> You'll get it. I, I meant, I'll get that eventually. The, the thing I made up off the top of my head, I'll eventually understand what I'm trying to say. We'll do a vote. Uh, <laughs> I'm Dustin. That's James. That's Matt. And we will see you in a few days for our next episode.